Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Meet the Founder, a new series within But Why podcast. My name is Clemmie Telford and before I began out on social media, my career was in advertising as an agency creative director and later as a creative strategist at Facebook and Instagram. I have a fascination with brands, how and why they exist and the stories of the people behind them. Meet the Founder is my opportunity to marry my love of honest conversations about tricky subjects with my curiosity about brands. It's business chat, but a bit nosier. I actually refused to do a panel once, which was a really big panel and I was going to get paid for it. But um, I refused because it was entrepreneurs, And I was like, absolutely not. That's just it's disgraceful. Today, I am talking to Michelle Kennedy, founder and CEO of Peanut. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? Are you flustered? No. Me? Like a swan, gliding, never flustered much. I actually think that you always do project an image. You're very, you know, you're very much a swan. You always look like you've got your shit together, whether you have or not. I don't know. It's, it's, it's definitely not the case. But anyway, I appreciate that. At least it's, you know, it's giving swan. It is. And I'm going to like give, let you do the pitch of Peanut, but I've got to tell you, my eldest, Bertie, who's 10, is off school today. I was just having lunch and he said, oh, what are you doing this afternoon? He said, I'm doing an interview. I said, with a famous person. And I was like, well, famous within the world that they they are in. And I said, but they're very successful. And he said, oh, well, how are they successful? And I said, well, she's created something that didn't exist and she's made lots of, um, helped lots of women be less lonely. He said, have you ever been lonely? I was like, well, actually, Bert, when I had you 10 years ago, I didn't know anyone who had who'd had kids and yeah I was lonely and if Michelle's product had been around it would have made that that um very different so actually this chat with you has helped me have a really important chat with my son which is nice bringing mothers and sons closer together I'll have it as my new tagline <laughs> give me the pitch for for um peanut why it exists how it exists and and how you made that leap to bring it into the world so Peanut is um, a social network to connect women across different life stages. So whether you're going through fertility, IVF, surrogacy, adoption, whether you are pregnant, uh, nearly pregnant or kind of midway through, partway through, whole way through, uh, new moms, motherhood, and more recently, women who are going through perimenopause and menopause. So really thinking about what are the key life stages that women experience? What are those moments that women feel like the most isolated or the, the least um informed and how can we bring them together so that they can inform one another find friendship 
share stories, ask questions, laugh, cry, um, and do it all within the confines of a, a safe space, which is really just geared towards women and women's issues. Thing is, when you talk about it, it, it's so obvious. It's one of those things. It's like, oh yeah, of course that exists, but it, but it didn't. How how did you go? How, where did that light bulb moment come from? And then what was the journey from that light bulb moment to bring it into the world? It's a really weird one because you're totally right. Like even as I say it now, people go, oh yeah, like oh sure. But you know, you have to remember that 2016, like when I first met you and we were talking about it. This, this didn't exist. There was nothing. So you had women who were going through these like seismic life changes. And what we had open to us was like an old school forum that was probably built in 1998 with complete kind of an, uh, anonymity and, and no identity attached to what you were saying on there. Um, and the tech kind of reflected that. Or you had Facebook groups, but, you know, there were women who weren't using Facebook or for women who were, if you didn't get invited into the Facebook group, that was a challenge. But there were so many of these kind of barriers and they weren't actually really solving the main issue, which is we had loads of questions and we're lonely and it's not particularly comfortable to say it because that makes you feel like a weirdo. But it's not that. It's just that you're going through something and you need to share it with someone else who knows. So at the time that we were doing it, it really didn't exist. And it was very kind of fractured market. Um, I was working in the dating industry and um, felt that there was like an obvious gap to do something in this space. And I didn't know what, I just felt like something in motherhood um, was needed. And, and really based on my own experience of being a mom and working in tech and then going home and using these weird forums, but also... Um, just seeing the amount of spending capital that these women had, right? When you are making household decisions on spend, we are the people who are really influencing what is happening, not just in your own home, but on a community and societal level. And yet the products that were out there weren't being built by us for us. They're kind of being built for gen pop or they're being built for dudes. And we're just having to make do, and that felt really wrong. So I knew I wanted to do something in the space. Um, the easiest, lowest lift thing I could do at that time was think, well, do you know what? The biggest issue I had, much like you just described, was when I had Finn, he's just a year younger than than yours. Um, there was I had no friends who were having children, and I was the first, and it was really lonely. And a load of my identity was tied to who I was at work. Like that was Michelle, like, you know, and I was running this company, I was, that was me. And then all of a sudden you were at home on your own with a tiny baby and my partner would go out to work and I'd be fuming at him. And it, like the whole thing just felt very like this, this shouldn't be like this. So the lowest lift I could do was, okay, what if we take the algorithms that we use to match people for uh, romantic reasons and apply it to find friends? And it was just a proof of concept, like, will women use an app to do it? Um, and the answer was yes, which is great. And I love how, because, how, yeah, as you referenced, we met very early on. I was at um, Facebook and you were in their kind of incubator. And how the product has grown. Like, I've obviously been doing a deep dive into you over the last couple of days. And I actually had missed the, the perimenopause, menopause bit. And, of course, it, it like set up all those old old feelings and it is so strange you know you you get past the baby years you do a bit of child raising and you know, oh yeah kind of feel like I might be finding my group again 
And then lo and behold, there's a whole, it, and it's such similar feelings. And no one talks about it, right? So you're, it's, it's, it's almost like with menopause where we were with, with um, pregnancy and new motherhood like five, six years ago, where you don't really want to talk about it because you don't really want to be the first of your friends to say, ooh, I don't quite feel like I used to. And by the way, my hair's falling out a bit. And by the way, you know, all of these things. And so there are these issues that you don't really talk about. And so we hold them down. And actually what we discover is we've all been going through it just in a different way. And we haven't really spoken about it. And it's so much easier when you can talk about it because you're like, oh, oh, that's what it was. So we started to see women on the platform who were talking about um, uh, cognitive like responses and what they women who thought they had early onset dementia, Alzheimer's, like really the quite sad stories. And another woman would just jump in and be like, have you had your hormone levels checked? It sounds like perimenopause. And then, you know, someone would be like, well, I'm only 40. What do you mean? And of course, what you don't know is actually this can start as young as 36. No one's talking about it. It can last for a decade. No one tells you. And so you don't know like what to look for and what it's about. Um, so it felt like a no brainer for us. The distance between motherhood and, and or new motherhood and menopause is so like shrinking now because um, we're having babies a bit later. It's just one of those things that if we didn't do it and give women a platform to talk about it, who was going to do it? I mean, I, I now want to have a whole chat about menopause, which I'm going to refrain from doing, but I saw a really good video on Instagram, which is like, actually, menopause is one day. That is a day when it's been a year since you last had your last period. Perimenopause is all of this, the whole of the decade. It's crazy. It's crazy. And imagine that we go through this and, and it's... It's actually, in many ways, um, more important to, for women to know about it than motherhood, because not everyone will be a mother. But it is a biological certainty. If you mm. menstruate, you will go through menopause, right? And some women will be lesser affected and some women will be more affected. But imagine that 50% of the population, more or less, will have this experience and we don't tell them anything about it. There's no education at school, unless you ask your mum and she happens to be one of those mums that share. My mum's like, oh, I can't remember. I had cancer and it was related to that. It's, you know, unless you've been through those things, you don't know. And you're just playing, like, you're just guessing. Imagine a man guessing something about his health that was definitely going to happen to him. It just, there would be no guesswork. They'd have a manual. It's absolutely wild, isn't it? And, and as you say, it's 50% of the population. and then. If you're a man who've got, if you work with a woman, you're married to a woman, you've got a, a sibling who's a woman, you're, yeah, it's coming at everybody. I think that um, what started as I want to solve something in this space because I think that women who are mothers deserve something better here has actually enabled us to build something where we're like, actually, do you know what? There are so many things that are very uniquely related to womanhood and I can sit here today and talk to you about it. But again, 2016, when we were even trying to build this, no one was talking about any of this. I would walk into a room and try and tell an investor, so th this is what we're building. And you could kind of see the slight glaze as they you know, thought, I wonder who I'm seeing next. So the, the things have moved. We have seen progress, but we've got so much more. In fact, you've just touched on something that I want to talk to you about, about pitching and funding, because how many rounds of funding have you done? We have raised 24 million, I think, today. So we are, uh, 
let's say we've done three and a half, probably four rounds. And talk to me about that process. Is it something that you enjoy? Does it give you a thrill? Have you got better at it? I mean, look, there are some founders you meet and they absolutely love fundraising. I'm always intrigued. Like, what what a fascinating like mindset. I wish I loved it. I don't love it. I like building. And all I want to do is build. And obviously, raising capital to be able to hire the best people in order to be able to build, it's like a necessary evil to me. So I have to do it. Um, it's something that is helpful in terms of understanding and learning how to sell your product um, to an audience who might not ordinarily care. Um, and it's been an education process for for everyone concerned. You know, I started at a time when it really wasn't a thing to invest in women. Like we didn't have like funds specifically aimed at investing in women. Um, we certainly didn't have like prevalence of angel investment. Um, that was very much saved for kind of, you know, the unique few who knew about doing high net worth individuals. I mean, how did you even meet those? So it, the whole landscape was totally different to it is now where, you know, it's almost like a um, a life to say, oh, I'm going to be a founder and, you know, and, and fundraising and everyday vernacular where someone's like, oh, um, I'm a VC or I met a VC, you know, and, and back in the day, I don't, I don't think that people were talking in those terms. So um, raising our first round um, was quite unique. I mean, I raised it. I had no team. I think I had me and one other person that was like on the journey with me. I had no product and I had a quite poor deck, um, to be honest. But I had a very clear vision of what I wanted to build and a very clear kind of steps on what I wanted to deliver. Um and from there, have, have things got easier? I don't know if they've got easier. It's just different. I think I'm better at understanding what, how to position us and what to say. I'm better at understanding where our appeal is more widely as well. You know, we're not just appealing to a venture capital uh, world. We're um, appealing to, um, you know, brands or, or other people who can see the benefit of what we do. So... I think that um, it it's evolved. I've evolved as a, as a CEO who who does the fundraising, but I don't enjoy it. There is rhetoric around, oh, mums, you know, great that we still get that. Um, there are lots of things that I think are not. It, it's better, but it's no, not. No, no, no. It's not right. You also touched on something there that I was going to ask you again in my research. I over and over again, I heard you referred to as a mumtrepreneur it's the worst it's the absolute pit I actually refused to do a panel once which was a really big panel and I was going to get paid for it unusually because you know we never get paid for these things but um I refused because it was mumtrepreneurs and I was like absolutely not that's just it's disgraceful it's a terrible tag I I can't bear it it's it's one thing to talk about women founders, right? Because we have to absolutely, and, and underrepresented founders, we have to absolutely tell as many stories of as many different types of founders as you can so that as many other people kind of sit and say, I want to be that, or, you know, I, I have someone who I can look at as a role model. I'm here for that. Um, I am not here for that awful tagline. I think it's just, also it's a complete turn off for me. If someone comes to me and says they're a mom entrepreneur, I'm like, mm. uh, I, I, because we don't use it for men and we don't talk about dad entrepreneurs. Well, can't even make it into a word. Um, it's an unfortunate, it's an unfortunate 
moment in time where I think someone maybe felt it was empowering and I think it's the exact opposite yeah I'm trying to like put because uh, I have exactly the same feeling about anything that it puts a mum in front of it and, it and it's not to say that in any of my work the fact that I managed to juggle it with raising my kids is it's something I'm very proud of but I don't know what the, in a work context yeah why why you put that there and then I'm like oh is that a comment on me but I can't work it out no I I I don't think it's just a comment on you I think it's not helpful to to kind of position us in that way because as soon as you put mum with business all of a sudden it feels like it's not a serious business that's why it's it's not helpful it feels like ah this is something she does as a pastime and definitely by the way being a mum is absolutely the best part of who I am and like the biggest privilege of my life but it's not my working story and it's not my business story and um, I think it's not helpful because it confuses the two and they're not the same. Of course it's natural that women um, in particular will build products uh, to solve issues that they face because they're not being built more generally and of course a lot of those products will be related to life stages that we experience that are unique to womanhood. So there is an inevitable crossover, but it's one thing to be inspired um, by an experience you've had and build a product. And it's another um, thing altogether for that to constantly be brought into your working life. And, you know, it is that um, adage of, you know, we're expected to mother like we don't have children, have children like we don't work or whatever the expression is, I've probably done that wrong. I'm really bad at those. I'm not in a position where um, I don't want to talk about my children. I always want to talk about my children. I just don't want to do that in the same breath as talking about what I'm building professionally, which is very different. And I think it's about whether you're choosing to bring that into the room or not, right? If I, if I in any situation, choose to talk about my kids and and the challenges of motherhood fine, but it's the fact that you put it put it front and centre, maybe. Not to like ask you how you balance um, motherhood and business, because that's that's kind of a cliche. But I'm interested in a bigger picture. What sacrifices you've had to make in order to have your business be at the point that it's at now? I think sacrifice is a really really interesting um, concept around being a founder mostly because I don't think that the sacrifices I made are the ones I expected I would. So sacrifices that I expected I would make were definitely around financial stability um, and financial choices. You know, there's something very different about when you're earning a salary and you're on someone else's payroll. Uh, The choices that you make about what you do, how you spend, how you live are very different to when you're a founder and everyone's payroll you're responsible for. And and that, and, you know, can you keep the lights turned on and can you make sure that everyone can pay their rent and their mortgage this month? I mean, that is its own kind of, it gives you a totally different like view on, on things. And so when I left my very lovely, well-paid role, I definitely knew I would have to make changes and I didn't take a salary from from peanut for years and um, I had saved for that. But I also um, was very fortunate that I was in a position where my partner could support us and we lived accordingly, right? Life was was different um, and I was prepared to do it because I believed in what I was doing. That was a sacrifice I believed in doing and I felt mm. prepared for. It also reminds me of this kind of, uh, narrative that I've heard a lot where people say oh you know when you're a founder you cannot have a plan b 
Like it just has to be plan A or nothing. And I always felt that that really didn't sit well with me because actually when when you have other responsibilities, you've, you've got plan B, C, D, E, F, like you've got 100 plans. So um, I always felt like I had lots of plans to in order to take the risk and take the step. Um, but that sacrifice was worth it. And, and I felt like that was something that I would never, ever take back. Sacrifices that I didn't know um, that I was making were probably mostly to do with friendships and relationships. Not every friendship and relationship lasts the journey. Uh, and, you know, there is something extraordinarily frustrating about always being the one that doesn't show up for dinner or turns up when everyone's on dessert or turns up but then is on their phone. And, you know, there are people and there are friends that, who are going to be like, actually... I don't want that. It's not enough for me. I want to be your friend, but I want you to be in it too. And that is hard because at the time you don't think you're doing anything wrong. But as a founder, you are being selfish because you are prioritizing what you're doing above what someone else is doing. And, you know, and that is hard. Um, and so those sacrifices, I I didn't even contemplate. I've always thought of myself as like a really good friend and I, I didn't even think that that would be an issue, but it was. So um, I think that's probably something I didn't know was coming um, and I still probably struggle with. Thank you for being honest about that. I think I had a really vivid like light bulb moment recently doing the classic thing, looking at certain people's success on Instagram, not in terms of being influencers, but, you know, whatever your markers of success were. And then I said to myself, but Clemmy, were you prepared to give what they're giving? Like, wh were you prepared to show up to absolutely everything? Were you prepared not to be there for this? And I was like, I wasn't. And so I, I can't envy their success because to be a founder, to be an elite sports person you know you're you're putting yourself in the one percent you're you're putting everything else out of out of the picture and I think it's really important to remember that being a woman founder is actually very different to being a man as well because I don't think the pressure of um a, a guy to show your success so visibly is there right could you tell me what the founder of Spotify looks like probably not but could you tell me what the founder of Bumble looks like? What the founder of The Wing looked like? Like, we know because that's what we hold out and that's how we have to see founders. And therefore, you know, women are out there showing their like, and I got this award and I did this. And what you don't realize is everything that's happening, you know, behind the, the swans. You don't know what's happening behind. And and there will be a million things that are different and, and not, you know, and are broken probably as well but um it is it is really important to to acknowledge that if you're going into it it's exactly what you said it's it's all consuming you don't sleep mm. at night your partner or your relationship is hard you've got to have someone who is like you know can distance themselves from it and switch off because it's all you can talk about and you know you, i could be in something i could be mid conversation if something happens on my phone i'm out I'm on, I'm dealing with it. I'm dealing with peanut. And that's extremely hard for people who are like, hello, hi, I, I'm here too. Mm. Um, and it's not for everyone. And that's okay.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I think it's really so important. I think there's two things I want to pick up. Number one as well, I think the way female friendship works, you know, we aren't just, and sorry for awful gendering and cliches, but we don't just meet the pub and have a couple of pints. In order for female friendships really to be what they are, they're a very invested relationship. You know, my close friends, I pour a lot into and vice versa. And that's very hard to do if you're, meanwhile, of course, obsessed with your kids and then obsessed with your business. It's so hard and you're absolutely right. Like, rightly so, we are multifaceted and we can't just, you know, make everything okay over a coffee or whatever. Like, this is something where we want to check in with each other and you you, you want someone to, to care. And yet, if your focus and your care is like, how are my numbers? Are they up and to the right? Oh my God, there's a bug report. Oh, have you complete? You know, it's it's very difficult to be all things. Plus, you're trying to be a daughter, you know, and you're trying to be all these different things as well. And I think that's very challenging. So um, that's not to say that there aren't those friendships out there who are just like, love it, do you, I'm here. But but some won't survive, and that's also okay. We have you found, we end up with friends who are also founders and business owners who uh, who get it. I mean, I've ended up with like a cross section of like my oldest, oldest friends who have always known that I'm this person since we were kids. So it's fine. And then friends who like you've met along this journey who are also like, God, what are we doing? Oh, God, isn't, you know, should we go and talk about it? It's that kind of balance between the two. And and obviously, you know, you're working so much that you build like strong friendships at work. So there is a need definitely to make friendships with people who are building and, and can also laugh and be like, wow, that was unexpected today. You need some of that too. I actually read a quote from you. Someone had asked you again, quite a cliched question, how you avoid burnout. And you're like, well, you don't. And I love that. I mean, it, it's honestly, it's a bit like when someone says to me, what's work-life balance like? And I'm like, uh, and I'm like, what, what? What's life? It's why, actually, Kemi, you have to build something that you are obsessed with and you love. Because if you are going to make the sacrifice you have to make, and if you are like going to work the hours you work and be as boring as I am, where you only talk about these issues, then you have to absolutely feel like passionate and it has to get you out of bed every day and it has to like set you alight. And if it doesn't, you won't do it and then you won't win. So it's like you do have to absolutely be obsessed with it. But yeah, burnout, my God. I mean, literally probably founders are the least healthy people I think I've ever met. Do you feel you've like reached some points of actual true burnout or just moments when you've like running on empty? Yeah, I mean, even February this year and I got migraine. I've never had migraines before. And for anyone who's had one, that is... I mean, it's knocked me sideways. I didn't know what it was, but I all I knew is I had to lie in this dark room and I was vomiting and I was like, maybe I'm sick. Have I got a bug? But my head, 
Um, and one of my friends actually sent me to, um, she was like, you have to go and see this acupuncturist. Um, I, I mean, I did everything you can imagine. I had an IV, I had a vitamin drip. I had anything to try and make it stop because it was so bad. Um, and eventually I, I, I took a week off. And let me tell you, really all I needed was to sleep and to just be rested. And it was amazing. But that was probably, I mean, that was quite a low. It was a lot to have got to that point. Yeah. And uh, something I'm guilty of, and I, I actually, I know when I'm in this mindset that I need to make some changes, is when I start saying, it'll be okay when, it'll be okay when, it'll be okay when. It's like, uh-uh, you've got to stop being in that mindset because that it's not coming. And all if it does come, there'll be another. You've got to try and be okay with where you're at right in this moment. I love that little square that I see on Instagram sometimes. And it's like, remember when you really wanted what you've got. And it's like, ooh. And it always hits me every time because you're you're so busy running and everything that you kind of manage to do and achieve hits a little bit less, have to say it. So you're constantly running for the next high. So I remember when um, if you got a feature on the app store, if we got a feature on the app store, it was like, Woo! And the whole team were hype. Everything was crazy. We'd be screenshotting it, sharing it, like everything. And now it's like, if it doesn't happen, I'm like, why not? That's shit. On to the next. Sorry. Uh, you know, and, and it's, and it, everything kind of loses like its meaning. Um, and so you're going for the next high and the next high. And it's really difficult. And that's difficult for your team as well. If they feel like what they're doing is not enough. So, it's really important and I've had to get really good at just celebrating those wins. Even if you're you're three months ahead thinking about the next thing, you have to give them a moment to feel that joy because um, otherwise everyone stops like striving for it. They stop feeling it. But I, I think that's a really interesting thing that's happened to us. Like, you know, the thought of even getting a piece of press was so exciting and so exhilarating. And now it's like, well, of course we should get that press. And, you know, and, and it's it's so strange that you get to that point because you're just thinking about the next and you want more, I suppose. It's like a drug like that, I think. Yeah, it's interesting. And, it, and I think it's really important, that kind of forward momentum and that is ambition, isn't it? But Yes, when ambition clouds your yeah your version of success. Something you tapped onto then is about um, your, the people and the team. Talk to me about your management style, how that looks, what kind of education that's been for you. Again, it's really weird. Like in my former life, I was running someone else's company, so that felt really easy, a little bit. Um, in terms of I could make decisions, and I didn't really. Like I made decisions for the business, but I felt detached enough because it wasn't mine that it was much easier to do it. When it's your business and they're your team, everything just becomes so much closer. You feel so intimately connected with everyone there, particularly the size of our team. Like we're only 35 people, so we're a small team. And you feel really like, I don't want to say family because I always think that's weird. They don't feel like family. They feel like my my team. That has pros and cons. It means that we speak about everything. I'm extremely open and honest, more so than I was in my previous career, I think, because I feel like everyone needs to be on the same journey. 
And so I, I sh- if I'm sharing it with the board, nine times out of 10, I'm sharing it with the company too, because I think that we all need to be on the same page. I don't hide things in that way. I don't dress things up. So that's one kind of way of looking at it. But in the other uh, way of looking at it, it can be hard to give robust feedback because you're all so close. But, you know, ultimately we all care a huge amount. And we had an offsite last week and it was just this amazing moment where uh, I gave a presentation to the team about what we were doing next and where it's coming from and, you know, the things that we have to focus on. Because we all want to do it all, right? We that's You want to build it all, but you have to, we can't do everything. And there were some people in my team who are super quiet and who, you know, are engineers and they're deeply reflective. And the questions they asked, I was like, how did I find you guys? Like they're so deep and so deep thinking about the user experience and that's amazing. And so my management style, I'm much more patient. I listen more. I think more deeply about what I say, but I'm much more open and I'm still learning. I'm evolving. It's hard. I I don't think I expected people management to be as hard as it is, but it is hard. It's um it's a real thing, isn't it, to have to yeah, know how to how to how to be, how to be so that you can be the boss, but also I want everyone to come to Peanut and and understand that what we're doing is so important to women's lives and I truly mean that right it is like a great honor to do what we do and that's like we can't take it too lightly it's really important and I want everyone to have pride in the work that they do and feel excited Um, and then on the other side of life you know we're also a business so you're trying to like motivate people but also be like and and also you know revenue needs to be up. So it it's like that in itself is is also a balance and and is learning. Um and it's learning how how and when to message that that is still an art. Well this is it. It's like as you said it's an obsession. It's a passion project because it came out of such a real human need for you. But it but it's not uh, it's not out of the goodness of your heart it's a business isn't it and and that is that's also you know one minute i'm talking to someone and i'm talking about um a crisis to do with formula and women who can't afford to buy formula and you know the the challenges and the cost of living and and understanding that and and trying to kind of work things out and 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 make change there and then the next minute you know we're looking at okay and what are we doing here on on numbers and and it i suppose when you're building something that has a mission and is mission led but it equally is a business um there's there's a balance and you're just using different parts of your brain every day what does success look like then for you have you reached the point that was it your original version of success is it selling it is it an, a certain number of users or is it the personal stories i think success now is to build this platform wider. We want to have this safe space that all women can use. The issues that we deal with are global issues, right? So this deserves to be a global product for women everywhere. And I want women at all life stages, I want young women to have their own space on Peanut where they can talk about puberty and adolescence. And I want that to be safe. And for them to have that part of the product, I want women who are in their 60s 
and who are thinking about like what's next for them and exploring life and or or are still working because actually you know life is is different um and um society's different and they they need to carry on working i want them to have a safe space i want all of it um and i think we can we just um for me it's always you know priorities speed of execution is the team big enough are we you know building the right things are we seeing the right results um and yeah so we're just hungry to be that it doesn't exist and i think we can own it it's just about how quickly we go yeah that's interesting because you know historically with tech we 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 think about very 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 rapid expansion like speed of light expansion but are you conscious of trying to do to not do that we always call it growth at any cost right and and i think that we've all seen the platforms that have done growth at any cost and i'm not knocking them there is there was absolutely an appetite and a market for growth at any cost the point of the matter is it's not our market and anytime we've tried to behave and mimic that uh it hasn't landed because actually where we win is where we're em- empathetic to what we're building and we're thoughtful and we test and we iterate and that's where we win. We don't win on trying to be like another product and do it in the same way. And we've tried that. We have tried it. Uh, we've been pushed to try it and it it just doesn't work. It's really interesting because I think that when women are on their own, we are nuanced and we're multifaceted and we think about things in a different way. When we're in like general population, I think we're, we behave more like everyone else because that's what's expected of us. So I think that growth at any cost for a product which solves every things for everyone is kind of fine. But when you're building just for us, we have expectations that things will be a certain way, certain language, like we have this different framework. Um, so I suppose that's been my biggest learning really that we just, uh, we can't just build without uh, testing it iterating, um, researching, it, it doesn't land. We've tried it. I love that though. It's like the, the piece of technology that you, you built is so inherently female that it rejects when you try and put it in a linear growth, more masculine pattern. It is. Pattern. It, it is actually. And we talk about it as like the masculine economy and the feminine economy. And we're so squarely in the feminine economy, right, that... Anytime we try and mimic something else, it just, it doesn't land. So, and and that could be anything from an ad that we run to um, a screen that you see in Peanut to um, the something that you see on Instagram, right? It, it can be any of those things. Like as soon as we forget like where we sit and we try and mimic something else that's a masculine economy, like built framework, doesn't work for us. Super interesting. Love it. It's fascinating. It must constantly teach you about yourself as well, then. Totally. And and you look at things and you just look at a different in a different way. You're looking at something and you're like, oh, and you don't even realize you've fallen into it until you built it and it doesn't work. And you're like, why didn't that work? And then you're like, because that's not actually what our users are here for. That's just what be real are looking for. We don't need that or whomever. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's all the things that we all know. It is staying in your own lane, but it's so it's so difficult because you want to be inspired by everything else in the world and by what other people are doing. Inspiration is great, but trying to be them is not. 
Totally. And, and, and also ignoring the noise, right? Because there's so much, there are so many people around you who say, you know, what you really need is this. And then, you know, actually that's a distraction. So you, you, what you really need is often exactly what you're doing. I always ask actually, and it feels apt now, if you could like be at the helm of any other brand or project or any business, what, what would it be? Oh, it's such a good one. I love Maven in the US. It's like a to for um, women's health insurance. So like your employer so that you can access um, insurance for, for women's issues and they focus on fertility and pregnancy and, and meno, but very much on a B2B. And I love their founder, Kate. I think she's phenomenal and it's, you know, billion dollar plus company. And so I think Maven is phenomenal huge inspo love those guys um closer to home whose business i don't know whether it's a popular one but i love a bit of tiktok <laughs> just love it i don't know if i want to run it but i just love it i want to switch off and Ooh. just i don't love it for um any children by the way because i think i that's a whole other yeah. issue but for me as a like 20 minute switch off and it makes me laugh and my brain goes slightly numb i i do think it's quite transformative of of like products yeah and it's a good example where you can just never see what's coming in couple of questions to end number one what is a small or big thing that you would like to achieve by the end of the year i was 40 this year i turned 40 last month so um, I am fully intending to enjoy like everything of this year. Like I've, I'm very, like, I feel very positive. I feel really good about being 40. I feel really like hype about it. I don't feel low. Um, so I think that's been quite a big milestone for me. And just like, I want mm. to continue to feel hype. I don't want to start to feel low. Um, that wasn't really a big or a small thing. That was just a... no. I think that is a good thing. That's a really valuable one that you want to enjoy your fortieth, well, it's your forty-first year, but yeah, but, but enjoy what enjoy this milestone and what it stands for. Exactly, and what it means, and and feel like the enjoyment of the stuff that I'm doing rather than like oh, on to the next. I'm very consciously trying to be like, yeah, and you did that, and you're forty. It's it's an unbelievable milestone it absolutely like not turned my world upside down in a in a bad way I just found it a massive milestone it's a real moment I think because your 20s and 30s if you follow a certain path it's slightly mapped out for you and then you're like all right well yeah there's no preconceived idea of this decade so what am I going to do it is that and it's also just a bit of like ownership of who I am and I'm a little bit less apologetic because do you know what? I've got to this point. So there's no point in being apologetic for who I am now. And I think I've spent my whole life being apologetic. So I would rather just, you know, not be that person. Um, so yeah, I found it quite empowering so far. I want to long may it continue. Yeah. Praise be for our forties. And I hope that with every decade, if we're lucky enough to get there, you feel more and more of, of this. I hope so. Okay, two more questions. Where can people find you? And then the, the one that I end all my podcasts with is, if you could have an honest conversation with one person, who would it be and what would you say? Okay, so you can find Peanut on the App Store or Google Play Store um, or we are peanut 
app.io and uh where can oh we're at peanut sorry on socials and where who would i like to have an honest conversation with a great one so many people that come to mind right now who are probably best not mentioned not not thrilled about what's happening politically right now feel like that there are some honest conversations that need to happen but aside from that you know I always always love and it's someone who I have many honest conversations with but it's always great is my mum and I know that sounds like but um I have a like very strong-willed bossy Irish mum who um really will basically put the world to rights on anything um but in amongst some of the madness of how she presents her view is always, always the right answer. So honest conversations with her about what I want to do and what I'm building or where we're at is always the right answer with with her. So honest conversations with my mum are always the best. And I nearly lost her last year. So I'm like even more so like very obsessed with the time I get with her. Oh, I love that answer. And and what a gift to have her be that person in your life. Amazing. I mean, she is the most remarkable person anyway and just, you know, is most definitely driving force and made me unquestionably feel able to do what I've done and just has never, ever felt like anything should stop me. She has this amazing expression where she's like, sure, you were raised like royalty. Um, and I don't know what she means because I grew up in Peterborough and there's no royalty there as far as I know. But uh, <laughs> she is like this amazing like woman who um, she just like makes you believe that anything's possible. But she's also just very, very um, astute um, and reads people and, and scenarios very well um, in a way that I often miss. So um, always love conversations with her. Oh, I love that answer. This might be one of my favourites ever to that question. Thank you so much, Michelle. It's been, um, why do I always get bloody emotional? I'm ridiculous. Well done with everything you're doing. You're remarkable. You're doing well. Thank you so much for having me. And that's another episode wrapped. Thank you so much for listening to Meet the Founder, part of But Why podcast. It's so easy to forget the humans behind the products that fill our shelves and phones. But I love being reminded that every brand began with a person having a great idea. These chats are about more than me being nosy, although that is a big part of it. It's about remembering the reality that success isn't linear and that being a founder doesn't take one shape. Thank you so much to my guests and thank you for listening. And just one more ask, if you could please leave us a review or shout about it on social media, it makes a huge difference to the number of listens we get. And last but not least, if you do want to get in touch, and I always love hearing from you, you can email me on buttwhy at clemmytelford.com or find us at buttwhy podcast on Instagram. Wishing you a very excellent day and catch you next time.